Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we are two very different Jews talking about the same Torah together. Hello, Dov. Hey, Abby. So we are talking about Vayigash, which means... He approached, which is when Judah... I thought it's, and he drew near. Yeah. So who's drawing near? Judah, who is one of Joseph's brothers. So the brothers have come to Joseph because the famine is in the land. Right. They're desperate. Yep. And they've come to Egypt for food. Yeah. And he plays with them and he actually tests them. He puts a goblet into the youngest brother's sack. Yes. And they don't know that he did that. And then he accuses them of stealing. Correct. Accuses Benjamin of stealing. Yes. And they all freak out and say, Benjamin didn't do this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let him free. Don't don't right. imprison him. Right. right? So it's trickery to test them. Yeah, and it seems he's testing them. What are they willing to sacrifice in order to save their younger brother and their favorite brother? Because we'll remember that a good number of years ago, because of their jealousy of Joseph, they were willing to sell Joseph into slavery. So now... And not only did they not save him, they almost left him for dead in the pit. Exactly. So now a a younger favorite brother, are they going to ignore this brother, leave him essentially dead in the pit and go back to the father? Or are they going to do something to protect the brother? So finally he reveals himself. It's like a drum roll. It's like you can just imagine the movie scene. <laughs> it's like he rips off the disguise. By the way, it's not really credible if they don't recognize him. What do you think? Well, I think... It's been years. I guess it's possible. It's been years. It's out of context. He's dressed in a very different way. You know, the rabbis say that he left 17 years old. Now he's an older man with a beard. Hard to see, hard to recognize. So I, I buy it. Okay. So he says, it's me. Right. Your brother. And it's like this amazing reunion scene. You can just hear the violins playing. (laughs) And he cries. Yes. It says in verse 45, two, his sobs were so loud that the Egyptians could hear. And so the news reached Pharaoh's palace. Mm -hmm. Like that, he cried so loud, Pharaoh could hear it. Right. I think a way of reading the verse is he wept and then the news of it arrived, came to Pharaoh's house. It doesn't mean they heard his weeping, Mm. but we'll go with your read. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I hear that. But the bottom line is he's emotional. Yes, highly emotional. And he's publicly emotional. Yes. Like one minute he's like the man right. who's running the show and playing with their their emotions. And now he just kind of like breaks open. I think it's very moving. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we, we should remember that even earlier on when he was manipulating the brothers, it says that he like turned and he wept in private. I happen to have that verse oh, go right for it, handy. 4224, he turned away from them and wept. So the idea is that at that point, he's doing it privately. Right. But he's already, you're right, we already have a clue to how fragile, like how on the surface this pain is. He remembered, like, look what his brothers did to him. And it's the first time that he's seeing them. And so the reunion is hard for him. And in forty-five fourteen, it goes on, he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. Mm-hmm. Only then were his brothers able to talk to him. And it feels very, I mean, I know this is going to be a contemporary read, but it feels like Everyone has dropped their artifice at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You pointed out that nobody else cries yeah. in his family. What do you make of that? Like, why is yeah. he the one that breaks down? So he's had, you know, a good 20 years or so to be thinking about the way he was rejected and he was unloved and he's been stewing in that and maybe wondering why his father never came looking after him. What's he thinking about that? So he's lived with 20 years of resentment and rejection. I don't know if the brothers have been living, they've been living with guilt, but it's not, guilt isn't the same as, as abandonment and rejection, I think. 
What do you think about that? I think he needed a good therapist. <laughs> but do you think that that makes him more having all those emotions more stewing? His brothers definitely have guilt over what they've done. I mean, I just think this is among the more human partiote that we've read. Right. Because you do have the conflict of, look, he obviously survived it and in a way capitalized up upon it. Mm -hmm. Like he, you know, look at, look at where he's gotten to. But it wasn't exactly the road he would have chosen. And that history is present in this reunion. Mm -hmm. You can't just be the manipulator and you can't just be the viceroy. You're still the brother mm. that they rejected, that they turned their backs on, mm. that they abandoned. I I'm still curious you're thinking about why the brothers didn't cry. Do you have any insight into that? You know, I think they're so shocked in this moment. Oh. It's not tears that would be the first response. It's kind of like what is happening right now and that it's it's almost impossible to absorb it all. Oh, that's interesting because he knows what's happening all along. So he's dealing with his emotions. They're in shock. I think we have something similar later in the Parsha when there's an encounter between him and his father, that he's the one who cries and the father is not. So later we have the following verse. It says, and Joseph made ready his, this is when Jacob finally comes with all of his family to Egypt. And Jacob knows Joseph is alive. That's why he's coming to Egypt. And it says, and Joseph made ready his chariot, this is 4629, and went up to meet Israel, his father, Jacob, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him, and fell on his neck, and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, now I can die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. So he is like, okay, that's it. My life is now able to end. I've been, I've, the son I thought that I had lost for, you know, these 20 years is now alive, but he's not crying. Joseph is still the only one crying. So what do you make of the fact that Jacob didn't cry? Well, for Jacob, I think it's more relief that he's not going to die without having seen his son. Like in a way, it's giving him permission mm -hmm. now to finish because he's complete. And this was this, this unfinished dangling pain in his life that he had lost his son and didn't know why and never saw him again. And now, in a sense, there's closure, and he knows that he's got this descendant who will live on, and he's alive. So do you think Joseph is crying tears of joy or tears of sadness? Is he, you know, oh, my God, I'm finally my father. I'm so joyful. Or it's like I'm crying over all those lost years. I don't think it's that simple. I, think it's, I don't think it's that simple. Like, I don't think it's joy or sorrow. I think it's relief. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's this thing that's been locked up, bottled up and repressed is finally unleashed. And with Jacob, none of those emotions would have brought him. He had, didn't have those similar I mean, look, emotions? Look, Jacob is the one who tricked his father in the first place <laughs> That's to get the birthright. That's what going on here? I don't know. I just don't feel like we have to look at people's characters. Well, I think Jacob also had been cr cried a great deal when he thought Joseph died. It says that, you know, he said... So he's all cried out. He's all cried out. And... Um, whereas Joseph has tried to avoid thinking about the family. Like when he has his sons, he says, he names his sons. One of his is Menashe, because God made me forget the travails of my father's house. So he's been avoiding, and now he has to deal with his emotion in a way that Jacob has been sort of dealt with his emotion plenty until now. Do you remember Free to Be You and Me? It's All Right to Cry? <laughs> I don't remember that, but I do remember reading a great op-ed in the uh, New York Times about Mr. Rogers. I don't know if you saw this, that Mr. Rogers specifically did not try to distract kids from negative emotions, but validated them and let them own their negative emotions. It was quite of an insightful uh, piece. So I highly recommend it. On that note, <laughs> I look forward to your tears. Okay. And I'll say it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> Shabbat shalom, Dove. Shabbat shalom, Abby. 
Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrubin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Telushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, Parsha in Progress at tabletmag.com. Thanks for listening.